Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I have just spent several days at our old family home in Woods Hole on Cape Cod. It is a house where my father and his brothers summered when he was a child, where my sisters, cousins, and I spent childhood summers, and now where my new son, nieces, nephews, and little cousins come in the summer, climb up the big rocks, gaze into the old ponds, watch generations of spiders in the corners, wash mildew off the walls, gather for meals, learn to avoid poison ivy and barnacles, read books torn from squabbles and from more friendly use, and listen to the foghorn and the waves pounding at night. It is a place that I call home. Home. What does home mean, and how do we create home? Charles Dickens wrote, Home is a name, a word. It is a strong one, stronger than magician ever spoke, or spirit ever answered to, in the strongest conjuration. Indeed, in the story, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the wizard tells Dorothy that she has noth- he has nothing as powerful as her longing for home, and that she has traveling shoes ready to get her there. There is no place like home, says Dorothy. Home tugs at our hearts. The tug is both from our childhood homes, whether largely happy or unhappy, and from our dreams of a place, perhaps a place over the rainbow, where we feel totally at home. When we say that we feel at home, somewhere or with someone, we generally mean that we feel able to be our full selves, that our deepest selves feel connected, that we feel accepted. We use the word home and homemade or home-baked to describe something that has a unique and personal and often comforting feel to it. We say that something really hit home with me to indicate that we understand it on a deep and intimate level. Home has to do with belonging and individuality, with dreams and with reality. For the past three years, I have taken my students at Fisher College to work for a week with Habitat for Humanity, building houses for people who couldn't otherwise afford one. We have painted, nailed boards, put in insulation, laid down sod, and everything else that goes into making a house. In our structured reflection sessions, I have students draw pictures of their home, or a room in their house, or some place where they felt safe and at home, filling the home with as many details as they can remember. Then we share these pictures, exploring the question, What does home mean? My students generally answer with words such as love, family, friends, food, comfort, shelter, security, gatherings, memories, 
celebrations, pets, arguments, laughter, and on and on. They tell me that a home isn't four walls, it's a feeling of belonging, of having a place where you can just be yourself. The internet is filled with quotes of people saying, likewise, it takes hands to build a house, but only hearts can build a home, claims an unknown author. And famed Unitarian poet Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. wrote, where we love is home, home that our feet may leave, but not our hearts. In other words, claim my students and others, home is where the heart is. But what then are we doing here, building a house for a family to live in, for a family to call home? I then ask my students. We look again at their drawings and see that indeed there are four walls and a roof on the homes they have drawn and windows and doors and often a kitchen and a bed and other pieces of furniture, perhaps a tree outside. We note that though home is more than four walls and a roof, having a stable physical place to call home enables, can provide shelter and security. A kitchen enables making meals for gatherings and a table to gather at, and a physical place can hold memories. The advantages of having a physical place to call home is also noted by my students when they serve meals to the homeless right here at Arlington Street Church with the Friday night supper program. Homeless people do find food and fellowship and shelter here. And some of the homeless do create their own sense of home with one another under bridges or in parks. But how difficult it is to create a sense of community and security and to nurture love when one is constantly looking for a place to lie down to sleep. One of the homeless men tells me that every time there is a wedding near the park bench he calls home, he has to move. And the shelters frighten him, and he has no address to use to help him get a job. I have looked at the meaning of home with students from many different parts of the world, and the pictures of home from Korea, from Saudi Arabia, from Haiti, and from city and from country do look somewhat different but they all have walls and roofs for shelter and doors so that you can go in and out and somewhere to sleep and people. Moreover, these students from around the world also do note the centrality of love and the sense of belonging. Around the world, we create homes as best we can. All people, says the Indian social philosopher, Madam Sarup, Construct a home. All people have a place to which they feel an attachment, a belongingness. We have to understand the power and pull of home. How do we imagine ourselves in relation to an imagined place? Make us a home, John, says Harriet Tubman in the poem I read by Koresh Lansana. It doesn't have to be big, just room enough and be clean and have people in it to love, free people, people who can go in and out of the doors. 
Our sense of belonging at home includes not just the present moment, but also being a player in a story, or many stories, making up a history. As my students noted, the concept of home includes memories. There are stories connected to the walls, to the windows and beds, tables and chairs. There are stories connected to the people who come in and out of the doors and sit at the table with us. There are stories we tell about things that happened in our home or with the people that are a part of our home. Stories like when a skunk crawled in the guinea pig cage of a, while my friend and I ate popcorn on the other side of the house with my mother and my father had to squirt the skunk with a hose to get the skunk out of the cage, being careful not to get squirted himself. Stories of skits in our Woods Hole home, different generations put on between doors of, of the sun porch, or when we spontaneously sang one song after another with the whole family in the living room, or when I learned to tie my shoes with my grandmother whose hands shook with Parkinson's disease. I want to suggest, says Madame Sarup, that the concept of home seems to be tied in some way with a notion of identity, the story we tell of ourselves, and which is also the story that others will tell of us. When someone invites us into their homes, he or she is sharing a part of their self. Perhaps you can remember times when people invited you into their home. I remember when one of my good male friends first invited me into his home and the magic and mystery of walking up his stairs and into his apartment, strewn with books and papers and music, and his clearing a space at the table and sharing some of his mother's sweet potato pie. And I remember my excitement, mixed with hope and anxiety, when I have asked people to come to my home in Woods Hole. Identities, Madame Sarup reminds us, are not free-floating, they are limited by borders and boundaries. Home does have more to do with the heart than the house. But having a hearth where hearts can gather and cook and sing and tell stories and hug does help. The physical place and the physical people give groundedness and boundaries to our sense of identity. But these borders and boundaries work best when they are flexible and give our identities room to grow and change. Homes are constantly rebuilt as time passes and new people or animals join the group and old members become memories. The upkeep of a home takes work. It is not always easy. We are always having to paint and repair doors and windows on our home in Woods Hole and we are always having to adjust and make changes in the way things are done as new generations become part of the home there. The question of what a home is has really hit home with me in a new way recently. As you've heard, I've just adopted a five-year-old boy named Nathaniel. He moved in on June 26. My home became our home. 
I met him on June 3rd, and for three weeks he was transitioning to my home, first with me visiting him at his, him at his foster home, and then him visiting me at my home for an afternoon, then a night, then two nights, and then moving in. The visits were wonderful. We both had so much fun looking at bugs and trains and birds and singing and playing with stuffed animals and cars and sticks and rocks. But when he actually moved in for good, when my home became his real home, not just a place to visit, not just an over-the-rainbow fantasy, it was a different story. My loving, wonderful new son flipped back and forth from running, laughing around the yard and happily telling me and everyone else he met how much he loved me and them. And, and then he, he flipped from, from that happy state to refusing to do anything, I told him, getting his hands into everything, breaking down if I said no, and telling no to me plenty of times, and having crying tantrums. He was, of course, trying to figure out what this new environment, including the house and me, that was to be his home was all about. It was, and still is, a huge adjustment. Everyone, of course, was giving me plenty of really excellent advice, somewhat contradictory, albeit, <laughs> leading up to and throughout these first several days, I tried it all on, every single bit of advice, with success here and there, but also the continued meltdowns. Then one day, I felt comfortable with setting my own limits, standing firm on some things and letting other things go. Or perhaps it was that I was telling my own story of my own home, which I hoped would be our home. I have discovered that rules, customs, and traditions are part of the home that my new son is entering, just as are the doors he is eager to open and shut. Some of these customs, like some of the walls, can be altered or broken down, and the home stays intact. Others need to hold firm for the home to stay standing. Moreover, I needed to remember. Homes are built in all different ways and are still good homes, just as my students and I learned from the draw different drawings of their places and homes around the world. When I finally realized that the change was a huge adjustment for me, too, for me and my home, I was able to be a bit more patient with myself and more understanding of what Nathaniel really needed from me. I have had to decide what is really important for my new, now our, home. Which rules did I have that are essential for the security and safety that a home is supposed to provide, and which ones could be broken or even dropped? For instance, teeth brushing and not standing in the middle of the road, I concluded, were essential whereas sometimes the rule of helping to clean up all the toys had to be dropped in order to get a good sleep or make it to something like church on time. I have had to look again at my values and the traditions with which I was expressing these values. With this new little person becoming a part of my home, sometimes values had to be shifted. Their priorities had to be shifted. For instance, 
I value respecting and taking care of our bodies, including eating healthily. But I also value cooperation over competition, not always having a winner and a loser. Indeed, this last value seemed a loftier and more important value than eating healthily. However, with this new little member of my house to look over, I had to find some way to get him to eat his vegetables, at least just a few. Making a race out of everything seems to capture the fantasy of this five-year-old boy. And who can get a tomato or a piece of broccoli in their mouth faster, or who can get the most pieces of pasta on their fork seems to do the trick of getting him to eat. So I have decided to go with the races and the winnings. And perhaps, in the end, I am practicing cooperation over competition by playing this game with him. The adjusting of my sense of home and learning how to take on the identity of parent in the home is certainly one of the hardest things I have ever had to do in my whole entire life. All of my cracks and weaknesses seem to threaten to crumble down my, uh, the home, our home, and I've had to hold the home up with one hand while digging deep down into the earth with the other to secure a strong beam. It is exhausting. But how exciting and how wonderful to keep my home growing in a new way so that it doesn't become an empty shell. At Arlington Street Church, we are undergoing a similar sort of growing as we try to make this church more deeply and truly multicultural, welcoming people of many different backgrounds. Arlington Street Church is a home for many of us. It is for many of us a place where we feel safe, where we can be our full selves and belong and create memories. It holds many stories, making up a long history. But we have realized that we need to make some adjustments and repairs so that this can be a place where people from a greater variety of cultures feel at home. How do we create home? How do we keep our home alive, keep our traditions and customs really expressing the values that they were, they were created to express? It will be hard work. It may cause us to look again at our values, shift some of our priorities, and adjust our sense of identity. There may be new traditions that we may decide to ad adopt and treasured old ones that become memories. It would be easier, as the dominant culture, just to have the people we want to join our house learn our customs and keep theirs to themselves. But if we want people from different backgrounds to truly feel at home here, we need to find room for their cultural expressions, the ones that they bring. Singing is a traditional activity in my family, and Nathaniel seems to enjoy singing too. But most of the songs he knows are different than the ones I know. As a dominant person in my home, it would be easier for me just to sing the songs I know and have him learn them. But I want him to true, feel that he truly belongs in his deepest and fullest unique self. That doesn't mean I crumble and drop everything I've ever loved and treasured. But I do have to look deeper into the customs of my home and see what the values and dreams they're really trying to express. Singing is a tradition in our family because it is good for the soul and the body, 
connecting to deep down in oneself. What is sung is important to some extent, but not as important as simply singing. So Nathaniel and I are learning from each other. We both know the ants are marching one by one, so we're starting from there. The work to become a more truly multicultural home at Arlington Street Church will be challenging and hard. We may even have meltdowns sometimes. We may seem to all be saying no to each other once in a while, but we can do it. Our deepest values point us that way. Our ideals lead us that way. We have a beautiful space with strong beams, good people, and even a kitchen. We've got our traveling shoes to lead us home, and we can do it. If my little five-year-old Nathaniel can do it, so can we. Thank you.